you're listening to the Red Diamond Courier, an Elder Scrolls podcast. Here are your hosts, Bob Chichinsky and Dog Bark 24. Welcome everyone to episode 9 of the Red Diamond Courier. I am Bob Chichinsky, as always here with my good friend Dog Bark 24. Dog, how you doing this week, bud? I closed an oblivion portal this week. That's what I did. Oh. Actually today. Wow. Nice, man. That's what that's awesome. I'll never forget closing oblivion portals and I was young and scared going in them, and they are very confusing and long. Yeah, taking about two hours. <laughs> there you go. That sounds about right. Now, what, Doc? Do you hear that? It's the Harrowstorm. It is upon us. We are extremely excited, as you might guess. Uh, first DLC of twenty twenty. Two new dungeons. We are here the night before it comes out. Our Xboxes are off because Elder Scrolls is down. And we will be eagerly awaiting the start of the update and getting into it tomorrow. We get to go into it with our full squad on day one. Super awesome. That sometimes happens, but very seldomly. And it's such a special occasion, new dungeons coming out, some of me and Dog's favorite time of the year. We thought we might do a little something special this episode, a little something different, and uh, bring you guys the other half of our awesome dungeon squad, and we're honored to have with us Grammaton Dryad and Han Solo Chick. How's it going, guys? Hey, thanks for having me. Hi. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, we're super excited to have you guys. Um, welcome. We'll be especially talking about what it's like to tackle hard mode end game dungeons and work as a group through some of the hardest content in the game. So, if you've ever been looking at all the awesome skins or personalities that you could get from a dungeon, and like, man, I would really like to get that someday. Yeah, we've all been there, believe me. So we're going to try and help you understand a little bit what to expect and how to work best as a group towards success in these very hard things. But first, as always, we got to get our current state of Cyrodiil out of the way. And this week is definitely going to be a little different because we have Update 25 coming for console in hours. So that is going to reset our campaigns. And... Me and Dog also slightly <laughs> failed you guys because we were so distracted in Cyrodiil that we actually didn't get the exact scores before they took the server down, which is totally our bad. But we definitely have a generalization of who won, and we have the other scores for you, as always. So we're going to start out with... The PCNA scores. This is the Grey Host campaign. Ebonheart Pact is in place with 47k. Then you have the Daggerfall Covenant in second with 45k. And you have the Old Mary Dominion bringing it up in the back with 41k. And in that campaign, they have 
15 days and 9 hours left. So we're about halfway through. Now, as I said, this is the last night of the Xbox NA campaigns. So we are going to bring you our winners, since that's at least what we remember. And, well, the leaderboard as we remember it. So, Ebonheart Pact, they were leading. You guys sailed off into victory once again. Congratulations. Daggerfall Covenant, second place. And Aldmary Dominion, once again, in third. Dogged, why don't you give them the Xbox EU scores? Alright, first off, we had DC winning the campaign. Second off was the uh, EP. And it was very close. And AD was very close behind him in third. Very nice, very nice. Now, our PS4 master, Lotus of Doom, succeeded in getting us the scores. So... Over there on that side, the Daggerfall Covenant is leading that campaign as well with 28.5k. The Ebonheart Pact is coming in close behind in second place with 27,639. And very close behind them is the Aldmary Dominion at 27,592. Which, if you're a stickler for math, is only 47 points behind. So... That one is close. They were going hard. It also reset tonight. We're hoping that the Daggerfall Covenant pulled it through and got a win over there. So, those new campaigns will be coming at you. We will all be Greyhost next week. I'm excited for that. No more call guaranteed. One other thing of PvP that I wanted to say is a... uh, I guess almost a moment of silence for playing with all all my good friends here at Battlegrounds, at least for the time being. What do you guys think about that? You think it's going to be good? Well, I uh, I don't really know. I think it will probably help with some general balancing in terms of matchmaking balancing. Hopefully it improves um, queue times as well, because queue times kind of suck. But uh, it is unfortunate because it really takes away, like, playing with friends to do it. So that's kind of unfortunate for people who are, like, BGs, but like to play with their friends. Yeah, it's tough because uh, Cyrodiil is, like, very faction-like oriented. Even if you're not playing the locked campaigns, you still can't really play with someone who has a red character when you have a blue character. So that was kind of where you would go to play with that friend. But I have faith that I've seen a lot of people speculating. It may just be like a for now thing for them to reset it. And I hope that that's where they go with it. And like you said, if it helps Q times, then that's awesome because they were pretty bad sometimes. Yeah. And hopefully uh, we'll be getting like more even matchmaking, like, like three teams full of four instead of two teams with four and another team with two or three. Oh my god, seriously. That would be so amazing. Me and Dog went through one battleground last week where we were just like three of us against two teams of four the whole time and we were like just going in there going hard and we are like you know what man, let's let's just chill in the back and let's just kind of you know, take our time, get our kills And the other guy just kind of stuck with us, and we ended up pulling out a victory. So, you know, 
if we could do it with three, then man, I would love to have a fourth every time. It would be so nice. Agreed. So, since we have our awesome guests here with us this week, we wanted to break up the episode into a couple different segments. We wanted to have a little bit of a interview of each of our guests, allowing you to get to know them, how they play ESO, and what exactly they kind of bring to our team. So, we're going to start out with the man, the myth, the legend himself, the guy who grates gooseberries. Dog is always sneaking things in. <laughs> Grammaton Dryad himself. So, Grammaton, my good friend. What got you into the Elder Scrolls universe, and how did that lead you to ESO? Well, um, I think with a lot of people, you know, their experience with the Elder Scrolls can be a very long story or a short story. So the uh, the gist with me is um, my very first Elder Scrolls exposure was uh, Morrowind, the uh, third game on on Xbox. Oh, okay, nice. Morrowind is actually the one that I know a lot of people that have played and I haven't actually got into myself. So that's pretty cool. And on Xbox, that's different than what I usually hear. Yeah. I, uh, I had originally been uh, like a PlayStation gamer. Um, I grew up playing a lot of Japanese RPGs, a lot of turn-based games, a lot of final fantasy games. And, uh, a lot of those games left Nintendo and went with Sony. So I went, that direction with my um console gaming and i was never really a pc gamer so um i had been pretty much just playing japanese rpgs and final fantasy and stuff um but a f- my my best friend had a uh xbox and he had this game and i saw it and it was really crazy i was like what is this like it was really immersive it was first person which was totally different but it was still an rpg and you had all these inventory and like people to talk to and like this world to explore it was really one of my first major um like draw-ins of western rpgs because i had seen games like Baldur's gate and whatever and more tabletop kind of concepts but um it just really pulled me in differently. So that's how I got into the Elder Scrolls universe was uh, through Morrowind. Nice. And uh, how did that lead to Elder Scrolls Online? So um, ESO is interesting because uh, uh, pretty much I got exposed to it through my brother-in-law. Um, he had been following it um, or in its earlier days and when it was um, initially PC only. Um, he and I both, um, enjoy like Twitch watching other people play different games. Um, and he was following that game. Um, and, uh, so I got to see a little bit of that and it was really interesting cause it was an MMO, which, uh, wasn't really my jam at the time. Yeah. So that leads perfectly into our next question. Was ESO your first MMO? So actually it's not. Um, I never really was a big MMO player. Um, the very first MMO I ever played was Lineage 2. And it was on like a private server or something. But uh, yeah, I there was like a friend who was like, oh, this game's really cool. Here's how you do this and you can download here and then play through this and whatever. So I have no idea how much of that was legal or not. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun, right? <laughs> 
Slightly. Yeah, I remember making essentially whatever the actual races were called. It was kind of like a dark elf. It was like a dual wielding dark elf. Okay. Um, which is interestingly enough one of like the staples of like Elder Scrolls, even though it's also one of the things that I don't play in Elder Scrolls. But <laughs> yeah, but since since Lineage 2 on PC a million years ago, I don't even remember when that was. Uh, I really only dabbled in like uh, Neverwinter on uh, Xbox, like uh, a year or two before I got into ESO. And like, I once got like a weekly subscription for free or something to WoW, and I hated it. <laughs> so I played that for like less than a week. Um, and uh, I played like the free trial, whatever, up to like level 35 or something for Final Fantasy 14 for a little bit. So I've dabbled a little bit in MMOs, but uh, yeah, ESO is really like the strongest experience for an MMO. And the big part of that is that I hate paying a sub to play one game. It's too high of a cost for me to play a single game. So um, that was one of my big things. But yeah, I eventually ended up getting in the ESO because I had been exposed to it and I hadn't had like a fresh Elder Scrolls outlet. um, In quite a while. uh, Yeah. Since Skyrim. Skyrim. Yeah, so it was kind of like, hey, that's a thing. I don't really know, but at least I get to explore, like, the world of Tamriel. So even if I'm not sure about the gameplay, like, it's something to do. And it had dropped in price and whatever. So that's how I got into the ESO. Nice. So did you come in, uh, like, post-Morrowind, post-One Tamriel? Yeah, so One Tamriel came out, um, I think, in the fall like october of 2016 and i had started really regularly playing the summer before i actually had gotten the game um in 2015 around my birthday but at the time i was playing neverwinter still but i was um, i was pretty much about to exit neverwinter but i was like i can't do two mmos at once that's too much so so yeah so in like 2015 i like did like the first tutorial quest and i made like two characters i made my initial character which is now my current main character and my first red which is uh an argonian and so i did that i played for like an afternoon or something and then i shelved it for like almost a full year and then ever since i played in like the summer 2016 i just like hooked yeah so uh in our group you are a freaking awesome tank is that your favorite role to play? And have you tried any others? Also, what brings you back to this role? What makes it your favorite? So, um, if you ask me in general, like, what's your favorite role? Um, it's not inherently tanking. It's more of like a concept. So, like, an archetype or a, a, a concept of a character beyond the role. Um, so like in most fantasy games, I usually make like a paladin type character, um, something that's going to be really hard to kill. One of my big things about most games is survivability. I don't like to die. (laughs) Um, so I generally will take something that's a little bit hardier, um, and harder to kill and more focused on like sustain endurance, survival, things like that. But I also really like supportive roles. So like a paladin type character is usually what I'll go with, um, I can help and um, heal people or support them or whatever. Um, Being like a generic, good, positive character type of thing. 
Um, so that's usually the what I'm drawn to. Um, but I also enjoy like uh, dexterous um, archers and ranged things. And again, the reason for that is because usually um, if you can't be hit or you're far away, you're usually more safe. But <laughs> definitely like survivability is a big thing for a lot of like characters and concepts for how I play um, different games. Nice. That's awesome, man. Tanking is uh, definitely an interesting role. So I could see how you uh, have built a bit more, uh, or it's just more of kind of a type of character build that you look at more than just tanking. And I've seen some of the builds that you've made, too. They go kind of even beyond what you would expect. I know you love the hybrid kind of things. Yeah, I like to do stuff that's different. Um, I like challenges, so I like to go against the grain um, and try things out that um, most people don't. Um, and uh, part of it is like a lot of gameplay experiences for games in general. I really like tactical um, approaches to games. Like, here's an issue. How many ways can we resolve this issue? And then, like, which one do you determine is most optimal? And that's how you go through it. So, <laughs> sounds um, like your classic yeah. uh, turn based strategy kind of mindset. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And again, you know, that goes back to, you know, yeah. the, uh, the JRPG roots and stuff. So, perfect, yeah. perfect. So, next question we have it's uh, kind of an easy one. Well, kind of a quick one i guess it's pretty loaded if you ask me pve or pvp and why um so overall both um i like them both for similar and different reasons um generally speaking if i'm playing by myself i actually will rather just do pve um i'll do more crafting or um completionist things um i'll do kind of my own thing questing etc more solo um, but, um, for, uh, PV, PVE, I really like doing group content, um, just because of the effort of teamwork, um, to like work together to resolve something that's really difficult and challenging to overcome something that's, that's difficult. Um, and then PVP similarly, um, teamwork and challenge, like that's really like a big drive for me is like working with people and overcoming something that's um, more difficult but uh what pvp has over pve um in terms of uh challenges is that um for like a dungeon uh pve is very stagnant like it's the same like you can do a few things differently but largely the enemies are going to be in the same spot they're going to react the same way so you can really control it um but pvp it's with people and so people are different all the time some people will um be more emotionally driven by your actions and so they'll like aggressively seek you out and not like play as smart and other people will like try to bait you and lure you so there's a lot more variability which kind of keeps it fresh in pvp so um pvp is really cool because it's variable but if you want something that's not going to throw variables at you and is the same, PvE is a good challenge, too. It's just different. So I like both. Nice. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. PvP really has some different kind of things that, I mean, 
when I started, I never thought that I was going to PvP. And it wasn't till I got in there that you really start to get, and you get a feel for it. You're like, wow, this is a whole nother side to the game that you could play almost the same as the way you play the game if you want to, or you could play a whole another style it's it's fun it's a lot of fun yeah it's you know it's really interesting that you mentioned that because when i first played and uh with my brother-in-law like he could vouch that uh when i saw that it was pvp uh, i was like uh that sounds <laughs> awful like why would they right? do that that sounds terrible like skyrim and, like, doesn't need pvp okay no yeah like... <laughs> and when i looked at uh like achievements and stuff. I was like, there's PVP achievements. I'm never going to get these. Oh man. So yeah, I was just like, so I was real hesitant, real unsure, pretty much like this conflicts with the game. This is nonsense. It's ridiculous. It's terrible. Um, But it's one of, one of my favorite aspects. It really, it really, it really is different than what I had expected. And it's good. Yeah. They did a great job with it. So, we have uh, our fifth question for you here. How much of ESO have you completed? And are there any really big or significant achievements you've gotten you'd like to mention? Um, yeah, so I've done I've done most content. Um, I've done most of the zones, um, vanilla and DLC. Um, I definitely have not done every single quest in the game but I've done most. Um, there's a few like, uh, in-game achievements for completing like X number of quests in each zone. And usually that comes out to like almost every single quest minus like two or three. Yeah. It's, so, it's very close. Uh, yeah. There's I've definitely lived that life that I think I've missed. So there's probably some actual questing content that I've literally never seen or experienced. Um, but I've done most of those and, uh, I've played all the the dungeons um, thus far. Nice. Um, yeah. The and then like in terms of like Xbox achievements, um, I have I've I was working really hard on getting all of them, and the only ones I have left are uh, completing the Halls of Fabrication trial on any difficulty because I've never done it because um, it's not a very fan favorite um, one, and uh, the sets have n- almost never been meta so. Um, people don't do that. It is getting nerfed mm-hmm. tomorrow. Well, this yeah, week, so, so maybe. So I'm pretty excited for getting that done. <laughs> That'll be cool. Um, and uh, yeah, and then Master Angler, which is like the grindiest grind that ever was a grind. I'm only like a third <laughs> of the way done through there. So yep. But uh, yeah, I used to be an achievement junkie. So going for those Xbox achievements is something that I'm pretty proud of, and will be very proud of once I complete them all. Yeah, there's some redonkulous ones to say the least like jump over or clear blood root without ever stepping in lava like come on really who made that i legit never thought i was gonna get that one (laughs) i remember going through it with you and you trying very hard every time but yeah that's awesome man you definitely are closer to perfecting it than the rest of us by far so do you have any favorite ESO memories outside of dungeons? Uh, I do. Um, this next one that I'm going to share is has to do with the um, Dark Brotherhood story. So um, anybody who uh, 
does not want that spoiled, just skip forward like 30 seconds to a minute here. And spoiler uh, alert. Yeah, spoiler alert. And I'm gonna give legit like alert, so you got time. But uh yeah, for me in uh, the Dark Brother content, the very end, you fight like the final boss, the enemy of the story. I forget his exact name, but uh he's the order of the hour, um, like preacher, bishop guy. Yes. And when you when you finish the fight, they tell you to do like some synergy or an execute, and you impale him with the staff, and it's the coolest thing <laughs> ever. It's so savage. The first time I saw that, I literally did like the you know standard um, Twitch Pog Champ like reaction. Like I jumped back in my seat. <laughs> um, so that was super sick. Um, but yeah, that was one of my um, favorite memories. Um, outside of the dungeons for like quest content and stuff sweet sweet um but yeah but otherwise um favorite memories you know getting my master crafter title um i really enjoy crafting and um really early on i was like i want to be able to craft any style like before the outfit system i was like i want to be able to make something that looks cool for my character i was like barbie dress up all the way and uh so yeah and uh even right now i have most of the styles um so working on those is a big thing and uh yeah the amount of motifs that you have (laughs) known is absolutely insane (laughs) i remember when uh i met you guys and i was talking about like i had a i had a, a stupid word doc that had like list what i was missing i was keeping track. i remember that but uh yeah and uh, yeah, but otherwise, you know, honestly, some of the most fond memories are when PvP surprised me being amazingly fun and like losing myself for hours in Cyrodiil, um, taking back keeps and whatever, and being like that small pawn in somebody else's like battalion and somebody saying, all right. As soon as the doors go down, we're going to rush in and we're going to go over to here to this side. We're going to clear this and this is what we're going to do. And like just beat that anticipation. And then like the doors bash open and then a bunch of sieges happening and just <laughs> rushing in, hearing the war horn, people listing off commands like, here, let's do this, push this, do this. Oh my gosh, back up. Um, just like being part of this huge scale of warfare. Um, super cool dude stop you're making me miss Cyrodiil already (laughs) and it's only been like an hour man (laughs) i guess i might have a bit of a problem it's a good problem it's a good problem to have so uh last question anything else you want these wonderful wonderful people to know about you um yeah um you know i'm a big gamer i really like games talking about games um helping people with games um i stream occasionally on twitch um and i really like like tactical and strategy rpgs are my jam um fire fire emblem three houses like one of the newer versions of that Uh, my favorite game of all time is final fantasy tactics on the playstation one um and i just really like to break down things a lot of times when i stream i like go through and like break down chunks of of like game systems so that most people can understand them better 
Um, and like earlier, we we're talking about like theory crafting, doing like really weird builds, like trying to piece things together in different ways. And with that, like trying to get people to um, be open to not doing the meta and like really thinking about what they can do to experience something differently and to help me also do that. So, um, you know, if anybody ever, you know, wants to chat um, or anybody's newer to the game and needs some help with something in ESO or whatever, you know, you can always contact me and let me know. So cool. Very awesome, man. That was, uh, that was good. And glad we got to uh, get some Elder Scrolls, or at least your Elder Scrolls background out of you. And I am sure you guys are all dying to hear from uh, Dogged and Solo. So we are going to give the stage over to them now. And yeah, Dogged, why don't you bring it on in? All right. So first up, uh, what got you into the Elder Scrolls universe solo? Well, um, Bob did actually. Um, he wanted the game for his birthday, so I got it for him, and he played it like every day since I think like the first or second day, and I got so into it and. I was playing it on his Xbox, and eventually he got me an Xbox for my birthday, like a month later, and I was playing Scrolls too, and I'd never played an ESO type of game before, so it was really cool. Yeah, that sounds uh, pretty neat. Uh, so was, would that make ESO your first MMO? Yeah, definitely. It's pretty crazy, actually. I remember, like, first, like, getting in there and just seeing all these people. And it was just really weird just just to see, like, actual people playing the game with you. And I don't know. I sucked at first, of course. I think the first thing I did was accidentally steal something in, like, Volkel Guard. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was definitely my first MMO. Yeah, it's definitely very easy to steal something, especially when you're just going around talking to, like, the different people, like the shopkeepers and stuff. So in our group, you are my favorite DPS. Is that your favorite role to play, and have you tried any others? Um, yes, it is my favorite. Baby Mercy, I love her. <laughs> um... And I, I do have one other that I love. Um, she's a PvP healer, and I actually started out in PvP healing. So, yeah, she's pretty good, too. But, um, yeah, I love Baby Mercy. She's, you know, I always use her in the dungeons and PvE, and she never really fails. Unless Dog Pools 50 Daedra in a Bone Colossus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds like something I would do. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you prefer PvE or PvP, and why? Um, I enjoy both. Um, PvE first, because I love um, the housing systems. And um, I love searching everything. Like, 
in the dungeons. Like, I'll stay after and just go through everything to try and find it all. And um, all those heavy sacks before you, of course. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> and PvP, because um, I can always have fun because I have my healer. Um, and, like, when you guys aren't on or anyone else, like, I'm always available. And who doesn't want a healer in PvP? So, yeah, I got that going on, too. Yeah, healers are always nice in PvP. Or, yeah. What is your favorite part about the housing in ESO? There's so much stuff to put in, like, your house. Like, I'm literally picking up stuff every day that I don't even know that my character like needs to learn I'm just like oh my gosh and it's so hard to choose like right now I just went like hit max in my like biggest house that I have and I just don't know what to do and I have like a greenhouse and like three trees just sitting on one of my characters because I'm just like no I want it to be in like my pretty setup house but there's no room <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah. That sucks, but that's my favorite thing. Is there's just so much variety. Like, you could literally make stuff out of wood and blocks. Like, that's crazy. But yeah, you can also travel to like all the different areas with like all different wooden planks. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. All right. How much of ESO have you completed? Do you have any really big or significant achievements that you've done? Um. Quite a bit, honestly. Uh, I played with Bob. Well, I mean, I still play with Bob, but I played with him a lot more back then, just PvE. Um, all the sky shards we did together, with the eyes, what we call them. Um, I've got, like, the trailblazer, I think. I think that's pretty basic, though. Like, everyone probably has that. But um, all those things are, like, totally done. Um, Ardon is completely done because that was I thought Ardon was the only place that existed when I first started playing Elder Scrolls so that place is like I know it but like the back of my head I know it's actually pretty embarrassing Bob it was like you have to zoom out on the map and I was like oh okay <laughs> I felt so dumb but um yeah um other than that, one of my biggest achievements would be um, the Dark Brotherhood. It took me two years to finish the last quest because I was so very sad. Um, because the quest before that, something really bad happened to a character that I loved and I just didn't play and I looked it up in the achievements today and it was like a little over two years it was like two and a half years and I finally finished it last year and I just sucked it up and I did it and now every time I go by the sanctuary I'm always doing a little sad wave <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah I yeah. know exactly who you're talking about <laughs> Yeah, try not to spoil nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Do you have any favorite ESO memories outside of the dungeons that we do? Yes. Um, grinding in Grotwood with um, Bob when we first had, like, 
no vet characters or we're just grinding up some random characters um that was the spot we would just go kill all the ghosts and then go do the dolmen and then sometimes go hit the boss like right across the way like it was the perfect spot and every time like i just go there just you know to look at it i love grotwood that area right there is just so pretty has really good memories and yeah it's a good place <laughs> Yeah, I remember back in our kind days that we would uh, remake characters and we'd uh, go through Ordon getting all the Sky Shards, books, the eyes, and then we'd go to Grotwood to grind for to like level 15 for the swap bars and stuff. Yeah, it was definitely fun. That's where I grinded up Baby Mercy, the love of my life. No, I'm just kidding. Um... <laughs> And another memory I have is the first time I vetted out in Cyrodiil. Um, I was on my healer with a bunch of people that I'm kind of still friends with. Um, Nightbreed actually is one of the main ones that I'm still friends with. But anyway, I vetted out and um, it was pretty cool because I felt super powerful. Like everyone was running away from me. Like, they were super afraid. And it was super cool because I actually hit veteran rank. Like, it was still vet rank, so. And, like, everyone was there, and they were, like, all around me cheering. It was pretty cool. <laughs> but, yeah, that was a good, memorable time. Yeah, I remember my first character vetting out in Stereo. It was my stand blade, and whenever you'd go inside the delves, I realized that I couldn't go inside of the delve because I was no longer under 50. So I was stuck inside the Cyrodiil, couldn't leave or do anything. Well, I could leave Cyrodiil, but I couldn't go into delves. I think I remember that, actually. <laughs> I swear I remember that happening. That's funny, though. <laughs> Anything else you want the wonderful people to know about you? Um, I'm always chilling with Bob, Dog, and Graham and Cerdo. <laughs> so that's where you can catch me. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Cerdo, do you think they should add horse racing in Cerdo? <laughs> um, yes. I think it would be a really interesting thing. Um, just because it's funny. And I mean, like, come on. Like, I'm pretty sure I've seen them racing frogs in Skywatch. It would just be something cool just to have in the game, kill some time, race some horses. I don't know. And then you get to show off your mount, you know. I don't know. I have a lot of cool mounts to show off, so that's a plus for me. But yeah, and a PvP type of concept, too, for it. Like, you know, you'd be throwing some spells at players and maybe have some skills or passive that, like, slows people down or something. I don't know. Just an idea. <laughs> yeah, like shooting people with staves. Templars can throw their javelins, throw, like, crystal frags. So cool. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I give away the Reigns dog for like a few minutes and uh, we're now horse racing in Cyrodiil. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> That's actually a, 
a joke that Solo has inserted in our notes multiple times. So <laughs> they finally get to bring it to life. So uh, very cool. Very cool. That was awesome to get to hear you guys. And we will hear more from all of them. However, we wanted to take this middle portion of our episode, as always, to remind you that we are a part of the oh-so-insanely, wildly popular Robots Radio Podcast Network, where you can find us and many other great shows at robotsradio.net, where you can also find links to their Discord and all other cool stuff. This week, we wanted to give you the opportunity to hear about one of our other amazing shows, this one, having just started up recently, Mystery Time Live. Are you worried you don't have all the answers? Have you ever found yourself in an internet rabbit hole? Call, Call Mystery, Mystery Time, Time Live today. today! It's a new detective business. With plenty of heart. And a questionable track record. We're only in the office for an hour. Every Wednesday. Come hang out. Solve a mystery. It's a podcast. It's a live show. It's a swell time. Subscribe now. The producers of Mystery Time Live have asked me not to take any advice or guidance on the host because they have no idea what they're doing. No mystery will actually be fully solved. And that's information by Spontaneous Outside Source or Sheerbook. You can find them live on the Twitch app and find their podcast later on YouTube, Anchor, Spotify, Google, and iTunes. Listening may cause hurtful your death or loss of sanity. We are sorry. This is probably legally by you. You cannot do All right, so that sounds like a great, great mystery. show. <laughs> yes, mystery. Thank you, dog. <laughs> and uh, here we go into this part of the show where future me is slightly afraid to edit. It's going to be just a, uh, a uh, conglomerate of the four of us going at your ears. I guess that sounds fun. So... <laughs> We wanted to talk a little bit about what it's like to be a group in Endgame Dungeons and also go over some of, well, at least one of the very hard dungeons we've gone through. And the first question that I had up here that was kind of like just what was getting me thinking about it is when you think hard mode DLC dungeon, what do you think? And that was even like a super general thing, because if you asked me like a year and a half ago, it was the answer would probably be like intimidating, like very far off something that I may never achieve. But now it's if you ask me, it would be like excitement because it's one of the most fun things that I've done. And even though I know how hard it's going to be, I know how awesome it is to go in there and have fun with a group of people and find success. What about for you guys? Um, my thoughts paralleled yours. Exactly. Um, you know, an older version of me literally would, would hear to hear hard mode DLC dungeon. My first thought would be no, but now even like with pugging some with some other people, um, like one or two people in the mix, as long as I have somebody that's with me, um, my thoughts are hell yes. Um, it's really it's really gone from something that is intimidating and like there's no way to like, oh yeah, I think we could take someone through this. Like we can do this. So yeah, um, pretty much exactly what you had said. You summed it up pretty nicely for me. Nice. 
dogged solo any thoughts uh yeah like when i first started uh some hard mode uh it was the imperial city and white gold tower and for though and i when i did those when i completed those i thought they were pretty easy and so when we were doing stuff like fang lair i was like man my healer did that when it was like a garbage healer now that it's good it should be really easy right it wasn't and it was definitely fun to like uh kind of like change up my class or my uh, role my character so nice solo yeah honestly i'm gonna say like back in the day maybe like a year ago i would have been totally afraid to do any dungeon honestly i just didn't really care for it too much i don't like dying so it wasn't for me to go in there and see how bad i was already (laughs) but um yeah i don't know dungeons are pretty good pretty easy now we have a really solid group a really good connection so i mean yeah that's good nice that's perfect so yeah we're all kind of a little bit on the same page at least which is cool because I kind of just threw that all at them. So you can see that if you're someone who also feels like that it's something that's far off, all it takes is, you know, applying yourself to it and going and getting in dungeons and, you know, like maybe you queue for a couple of random dungeons and you find some people who are farming and you run with them for a bit or you look for some guildies who have, similar interests did i say guildies or giddies (laughs) we'll just go on from that but if they are looking to do the same stuff as you and they're cool people then it could be a lot of fun for you to form a progression group with these people so i thought it'd be cool for us to go around and say what it means to be a blank in an endgame dungeon and that's pretty much our role me and solo are mainly the dps so i thought maybe we can knock ours out first for me being a dps when you take it into a this kind of end game like hard mode setting it can get a little stressful like you know that your group is relying on you like so much to get the job done because they're going to be doing everything they can to keep you alive and they're relying on you to make sure you're burning this crazy insane monster down i mean right solo like it's it can be a little stressful yeah it can get pretty crazy and then you have you know you're running out of resources, whether it's magic or stamina, and trying to throw down shards to help you guys. And it's like, I need my shards. Like, I'm so sorry. I'm out of <laughs> magic on myself. <laughs> right? So, I mean, although DPS may seem like, oh, yeah, sure, just go in and do damage, it takes a little bit more than that. And the people that are going in there and doing over 30k damage with mechanics like this i personally applaud you because i've been there and it's tough and it's you know there it's a four person group and everyone 
definitely has to be doing their part to get it through. Well, I mean, would that would that pretty much sum up your thoughts on DPS too there, Solo? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's pretty easy. I don't know. <laughs> if you have the right sets on and everything, and without you guys, honestly, I wouldn't. I would be total, like, the squishiest trash in the bottom of the can. Like... <laughs> Without you Don't guys, give dog <laughs> that much credit. Okay. Hey, all of you. <laughs> Don't guys build his head up me. that much. Graham just made me armor the other day. Like you know, you guys care, and you know it's it's nice. Cool. Well, I'm sure that uh, that they all appreciate it as much as I do. But um, so that's what it's like to DPS. It can get a little bit stressful, but as Sola said, if you got the right stuff, you trust in your group, you're there doing your job. It's a parse. Go freaking kill that dummy and make sure you don't stand in the red and dodge all these other crazy mechanics that are going at you. But you know, other than that, just kill the dummy. So, dogged, what's it like to be a healer in an endgame dungeon group? For my healer, I think the hardest thing is, like, knowing to when, like, you need to do more damage and when you have to heal. Like, when I first started healing in, uh, I think, Vet Fanglair, I, did, I wasn't hardwired to my Xbox. So I, I had to run Breath of Life on both bars, my, like, damage bar slash buff bar and my healing bar, because I couldn't always flip, like, flip, my, flip to my healing bar and get a Breath of Life off. So... And that's part of the reason, like, why we weren't able to do it at first, because, like, oh, we needed, like, just a little bit more damage, and it would have been great. So, when I, after I got the, uh, what's it called? The Ethernet cable, uh, like, I was able to swap bars, and it was like playing Elder Scrolls, like, and, and like, in, in my own little instance. It was so nice after I got that. So, yeah. Um, oh, another part is, like, sometimes, like, yeah, you need to know, as a healer, you need to know when you need to apply more damage to your group, or more, when to, like, be more healing, like, like when you need to, like, have a barrier ready, have your heal, or, or be able to, like, drop an extra, like, little, maybe, like, 3k DPS on a boss, so that, uh, it goes down, or, like, you maybe can skip a phase, or, like, you know, like, that 3k could mean the difference between killing the boss, skipping a phase. It could be any of these like different kinds of constants and that's really important because you don't want to fight like the same big bone colosses that spawns up in Fang Lair if you can't get a crystal down. So yeah, it's very awesome when you have a healer that not only can handle their role with perfect clarity but can also do things on top of that like dps like a half legend like dog <laughs> half only half i think i, I just <laughs> at least three quarters <laughs> all right all right three quarters we'll give it to you <laughs> yes all right so uh what does it mean to be a tank in an end game dungeon group grammaton um well tanking in general usually is all about a couple things which is um, enemy slash 
friendly positioning. So controlling where the bad things are. And uh, the other one is um, target or taunt um, holding and uh, prioritization. So the biggest threats need to be taunted first and then um, held um, in like a spot or position that one keeps your your team out of danger but then two allows them to maximize their dps output um so that's like the the big key things um the other stuff um is like uh crowd control and uh other little tweaks and nuance um beyond that um a big thing for um the end game is building upon that foundation and knowing mechanics um, and knowing what everybody else is doing and supposed to be doing so that you know how to help them. Like you might be holding a boss and like a really strong ad um, to like a corner while the, everybody else has to do whatever mechanic or c- kill certain things. But at a certain point, another threat is going to appear. So you need to be paying attention and know when to pull something else away or when to move or reposition something else. Um, so it's really about all about controlling the field and controlling the enemies and then prioritizing threats and uh, coordination with the, uh, the rest of the team. Yeah, man, that sums it up pretty freaking well, I think. And when I heard you say placement, and mechanics it's really clicks in for me not only that's very important for the tank but it's so important for everyone a lot of these dungeons the mechanics are what is going to kill you most of the time and even if it's something you are paying extreme attention to it can still catch you off guard a lot of these mechanics are designed to do just that and they're designed to take you out and one shot you and make your life miserable. Hashtag F you Finn. <laughs> no, we love you. <laughs> but um, yeah, it really uh, it forces each of you to step up your game in a different way. That's for sure. So as a group, the four of us. Last year, we took it upon ourselves to tackle a bunch of this DLC hard mode endgame content. Well, for dungeons, as it goes. And the first thing that we did, kind of begrudgingly for everyone else, but it was Fanglayer. And when we posed this concept of the show to Graham and Solo, we talked about, maybe talking about the hardest of these dungeons that we did, and I said, well, if we're going to talk about that, we may as well just talk Fang Lair, because it's going to be everyone's choice. This thing was insane, and it was definitely me who kind of dragged everyone in there for the amazing Worm Wizard personality. I mean, I didn't know (laughs) what we were getting ourselves I mean, I did know, but it was our first DLC hard mode and speed run, no death that we completed. Actually, I think we probably got Mazatune done first. Yeah, we did. But this one was the the big bad. This was like, okay, this is going to be crazy hard. 
and we wanted to kind of give everyone's memories of that crazy time going in there. And uh, for me, I know that I definitely dragged everyone into it, and I was extremely worried the whole time about all the parts of the trifecta, which you might hear me or us refer to. That's just the speed run, the no death, and the hard mode. That's what we call it, because you have to get that usually to get the reward. So I was super worried about getting all the parts of it, but we quickly found out that the hard mode was going to be the true challenge. Just going through it on the way there, we easily knocked out the speed run. One time we were like, got to the boss in like 8, 15, 18 minutes, and we are like, well, let's just kill it and get the speed run. And then I was like, man, how are we ever going to know death thing later? And then we, when we were doing the hard mode, we would only get to play for a couple hours a night, and which led to us constantly, every time we would have to go back every new day that we did it we'd have to go through the dungeon again through the dungeon again so we got pretty darn good at fang lair even though we only got a couple hours every week to go through it together when we were doing it one time the no death just kind of happened we got to final boss oh boom have we died no we should uh go after this right now and knock that out unbelievably to me and then yeah the hard mode man there was uh, one moment that I will probably remember for the rest of my life, and that's after all the trials and tribulation, we were so close to winning. Like, boss about to die under 4%, and I hope just all of us just one by one, dead, 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 and then there he was. Dog bark himself, standing gloriously <laughs> there. And then, boom, Ghost Wall. We all watch it spawn and hit him to death. And I'm not going to lie, I lost it a bit. I lost it so much in that moment. I was so upset, but, you know, it's okay. Everyone forgave me because it was under 3% of health and we were so close. And guess what? We came back and beat it the next night. So, yeah, that's what I remember about this dungeon is just... It was our crazy, crazy experience. Our first one that was that crazy. I mean, it was... I'll never forget it, that's for sure. So, let's go into some of your guys' memories. Graham, do you have anything? Yeah, um, just the first uh, piggyback off of uh, yours, yeah. I mean, Fanglair, it was the first one that we attempted, and... uh we we worked on it like you said you know a, a couple hours every f- like few nights that we got the opportunity so we do have like an evening where we'd give it a whirl for a few hours and then it'd be like a few more weeks and then whatever and we did that over you know almost half of uh half the year you know, like just random chunks of time just periodically and yeah we did end up clearing the trifecta for um runes of mazatune in the interim like hey let's just try something else just for a little bit kind of get get back and then come back later fresh um but um yeah for me um it wasn't like a specific instance i mean i definitely remember that time that uh it was under four four percent definitely in the moment like and this is very true of uh you know really challenging content like 
you see a member that is standing and they're your last bastion of hope. And that is a lot of pressure, but ultimately uh, when you really think about it, everything's said and done. If everyone um, had done things correctly, they would never have to be the last bastion of hope. So um, yeah, that's really, um, really good and bad moment at the same time. Uh, But uh, yeah, Um, for me, uh, it wasn't like a single event. Um, it was more of the journey, um, all the little tweaks. Um, I know that I kept swapping out my my flex spot on my bar. Um, at the time, my my tanking bar skills were pretty much set in stone, and I remember trying to deal with those awful, awful scarabs. Um, if you didn't dodge roll the right time, it was an insta kill, no matter how much health you had. And if uh, they caught up to you or you had to like walk past them, they would do the stupid dot that would lower your uh, armor. So everything would hit you so much harder. Um, So you essentially lost all of your resistances and mitigation as a tank, which is like the worst thing ever. Um, And I could guarantee any tank listening to this knows exactly the scarab you are talking about. Because (laughs) even on normal, where it's just that one scarab, Mm -hmm. it is crazy. It, it's crazy and that one scarab is so op yeah, and then you get two, two in hard mode and like that was my first biggest hurdle to work out was how do i deal with these scarabs because not only am i like trying to position the boss because the boss would spit out this acid periodically um so i needed him to always do it either in the middle of the map or in the area where one of the crystals was already destroyed like an area where people didn't have to be so I was constantly positioning him, but I also had to sprint like super far away across the map to get away from these scarabs. And the scarabs would be on a cycle that would also exist during the ghost wall. So when we have to stand behind the one little area um, of safety from the ghost wall, I still had the dodge roll and stay away from these scarabs. Um, so the scarabs was like the biggest thing. And then ultimately at the time... Um, I used the um, final skill in the Earth and Heart Tree. Um, it's like a big AOE, and it does like a, a heal. Um, and uh, it does like a, it's an AOE, and it does a snare of 70%. So ultimately what I ended up doing is I figured out I would put that, because it has a very long duration, underneath me, or about where the scarabs would be when I saw the, them start to show up. And then I dodge roll, and then I'd run away a little bit by getting some uh, movement speed increase by doing chains on the on the boss. Um, and then I would drop uh, my uh, wall of elements for my ice staff, and that sh- pretty much took care of them. Um, after that, I had enough gap, but that was probably the biggest thing for me was navigating the scarabs. Um, and uh, yeah, ghost wall phase. The final like ghost wall phase was awful with the scarabs. Cause I kept trying to like do all the same things I had to do before, but I also had to be paying attention to the uh, two walls that I could see and the two walls I couldn't see all the time. So uh, for me, it was just like the little minor tweaks and just like adding on to like foundational knowledge. Like, okay, I've mastered how to position the boss. Okay. I've mastered how to um, work on the scarabs. Now I've mastered how to maneuver with the ghost wall. So it just kept adding that progression um, for myself. 
Um, and then, of course, then there was the Colossus that I had to somehow tank to at the end, too. Still, <laughs> yeah. it's crazy. But yeah, for me, it's all those little things. Um, and then, uh, and then, of course, the final clear where uh, I don't know how I died. Um, I think I touched a ghost wall, <laughs> but I dodged scarabs and something else. And like a uh, ghost wall was the same color as the boss and I walked through and I was like, my heart dropped. I was like, oh, we're so close. And I just died. And now scarabs will kill everyone. Um, but then we cleared it. So, yeah. So specific memory funny thing... is the clear, you know? Yeah. Funny thing about that is, uh, I came home earlier and solo was, uh, uh, researching, doing some, just going back through some of our stuff, uh, video, you know, and screenshots from us clearing stuff like that. So she could get a feel for like, well, you know, what was it like last year and how, cause we've come so far from that, you know, like that was really our first, it was such a trial back then. And we watched the video together, the finish, and both of us were like, oh, my God, wow, that was it, man. I look, it's like, oh, look, Graham's dead. And she's like, oh, yeah, there he is, <laughs> laying there dead. I was like, oh, man, that I didn't even notice. Yeah, that could have been scary. Like, turned into a statue or I melted or something. It was very dramatic, whatever my death ended up looking like. <laughs> and um, also I wanted to point out before I forget – I can validate how much you worked on your bar. And I specifically remember a discord message from Grammaton to our group saying, okay, guys, Scalebreaker is nerfing the crap out of my ash of clouds or whatever. Yep. move. So yep. we need to get in there and do thing there now. <laughs> yeah. It jumped up. I think it, I think it was like a good, like 2000 or something magica and i was like oh my gosh it was so yeah and for a tank you do not have an extra 2000 magic to spare ever like no and i think they were nerfing your pet sork right yes they also did nerf my pet sork although i was trying to get my mag crow to be god mode by then but yeah no it was still all about the pet sork so, Miss Solo, what are your uh, craziest memories from that trialing period? Well, I'm going to have to agree with Graham on the whole um, journey of it. It was long, and it was hard. <laughs> and I just remember coming home from work and being like, oh, I really want to do this, but I really don't. <laughs> But, I mean, we progressed at it. I did, like, every time, pretty much, it seemed like. But, I mean, I don't know. It it paid off in the end. It was, like I said, it was hard. Those ghost walls got me so many times over a three-month period. <laughs> and... I sucked at like look seeing the colors on the ground of like the bad AOEs. Like it was, I was terrible at that for some reason, and that was back when I didn't really talk on the mic at all. So <laughs> that didn't make it a lot um, better for us. But um, yeah, that's 
it pretty much. Okay, cool. Yeah. And yeah, I remember that the color face specifically was pretty, that was probably the toughest part for you. <laughs> yeah, I had to change my colors like so many times just to get it right. It was so frustrating. And then, ugh, oh my gosh. But it was yeah. worth it in the end. We got our cool skins and our personalities. Personality. Yeah. yeah, that was. And I can guarantee you that Solo and I still rock that personality. Yeah. <laughs> on the majority of our characters. <laughs> yep. It's a pretty popular one with me. So, dogged, bring up the caboose, brother. How about your memories? All right, well. Like Graham, I remember swapping out my gear multiple times throughout our attempts. And one of the ones that I ended up sticking with was Kagranik's Hope uh, Light Armor, just so I could get those quick revives. And it still gave me spell damage, so it still helped my uh, healing. I think at the time, I was running... So the Kag... My Kagranik's just a... Uh, swapped out for my lich so i had to you know actually practice heavy attacking and keeping up my magicka and as i mentioned earlier after like i switched my cable uh, i put shards and then i use vampires bane on my front bar which was my damage or buff bar i started using the templar purify morph that does the damage over the orbs from the Indaunted skill line. Because uh, I use the orbs three times to like get it to everyone. And that's one of the changes that I love that they made to the orbs. Is like, now you only have to cast it once. And everyone can synergize it. As I also mentioned earlier. Uh, those kind of three skills put out the extra 3k damage. The crystals, the bone classes, and and pretty much what that did was gave Graham from having to taunt uh, Bone Colossus, uh, stopped a second Bone Colossus from uh, spawning, and then having having us help survive the, from the first Bone Colossus without like having it do a second, third, or fourth heavy attack. And I got my extra crit chance on heal over times, which I mean helped Graham too with uh, my my uh, radiant regeneration so that was always good i'm glad that we got to get all your guys memories because this is honestly one of the uh it was one of the most complicated things that i've gone through especially for even after we did the other dungeons i mean it continued to be the hardest one Something I'll never forget, and just having documented proof of how complicated that was for all of us is awesome in my own mind. So, yeah, that's really cool. As I mentioned, though, we did go through many, many DLC dungeons to get skins and personalities after this because we went through the hardest one first, so it was downhill from there, pretty much. So... Uh, I thought it'd be cool to get our most memorable moments of any of the DLC dungeons we did outside of specifically Fang Lair. Just a quick uh, kind of finishing synopsis. But for me, it was no-deathing Vet Skellcar Peak. B 
because this dungeon took six hours of my life the first day it came out. And that means that as soon as I could possibly get in it that day, I got in it with my one of my friends in guildies, Zekin, and uh, another guildie and a random. And our other guildie quit right at the first boss. Like, guys, we're not going to do this. And you might say, why did he think that? Well, the boss is extremely hard, and it was also my first ever DLC dungeon on Veteran. It was also his and probably Zekin's. Who knows? We were all new to Veteran dungeons at that point, just because that was never an aspect of the game I tried. So that's when I started getting into it. And this, I wanted the Zahn monster set so bad. I was like, this is it. I want it. We're going in there. I need people to go with me. And we, I think I worked at like 3 p.m. that day. And we went into it at like 9 a.m. And I was like, oh, we got this. And it's like 2.50 by the time we're finishing it. I'm running out the door getting just for work. But I mean, man. I will never forget that we must have died hundreds of times. We went through countless DPS, and I was healing. My friend was tanking, and wow, wow, did we take our revenge that day where we no death it. That, oh, I can't even think about it without, like, doing a Tiger Woods fist bump, man. Like, fist clench. It's freaking awesome. It was a moment, that's for sure. That was probably my favorite, is uh, taking back the time, reclaiming the time from Zahn that she took from me that day. Graham, what about you, man? What's your, outside of Fangler, most memorable moment? Um, You know... Uh, and don't tell me it's the uh, Jigsaw skin. No, I mean, <laughs> that was the one that I wanted to get for myself, which was Falkraith um hold um trifecta but um you know i uh i was thinking about it really hard earlier like a specific like yes like moment and uh um not a lot of them hit me quite as hard as like the first um and like when i thought about each of the dungeons like um cradle of shadows and things like that like it was more like specific areas that once we overcome it i was like boom we got this like uh um with crater of shadows like getting through the boss that has the circle of um lights for like our no death um getting through that boss or that the last like hallways of ads um in Kratos shadows where like i just let one agron loose and it ruined the run um or um Im- imperial city um um prison um like the, how long that is all the little areas that could go wrong um getting through um not getting messed up by portals that are janked um you know, I don't really have like a specific one. Um, I think uh, the hard mode for scale collar was pretty fabulous. 
Um, I still kind of have my own internal joke of um, Zahn saying, feel Spellbreaker's might, um, because I heard it. So <laughs> um, and, One of my favorite quotes still, honestly. Yeah, and uh, like specifically that boss, because she has a lot of like um, sequential attacks that doesn't move her positioning. So like to tank her into a spot takes a lot more nuance and you got to get her right in that cut for the poison statues. Um, so probably, you know, once we did, like, yeah, absolutely no death, um, but like hard mode for um, a skill collar peak. On a scale of one to ten, how hard would you say spellbreakers might hit you for? <laughs> um, on the average, I'm going to say a six. But the one time that I got launched off the map, that was a good time. <laughs> That was a good time for sure. <laughs> I remember that because you're just like, up oh, stuff that happened. You started I'm, laughing. Uh, I'm off the map. That's uh, that's a thing that just happened. Yep. Yeah, that I I also remember seeing that, and I was just, I just couldn't stop laughing. I had to mute because it was I was just dying over there. <laughs> it was a good fail. It was a good fail. Yeah. So, solo. Do you have any memorable moments other than Fingling? Yeah. Um, one thing that comes to mind is um Valor's scary's his scary face chasing me during the hunt. And I had like the blue light and then I died like one hit. <laughs> oh, your your old pal Baylorg. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, how do you actually pronounce the name? It's Baylorg, unfortunately, as far as most English-speaking people would uh, <laughs> would theorize. Balorgs is incorrect. It's Baylorg. I don't know. I don't think he can pronounce his name. I don't know, but um, he was really scary. I just remember that because I was so mad because I had it and I was almost to the point and he one hit me and I just felt like it was all my fault because I think we were going, I think we were doing hard mode. I don't really remember what we were doing, but I just remember being really upset. Um, And then another one would be Cradle of Shadows. Um, I just remember it was the first time I had ever done it and we were like going perfect. I think we had no deaths. It was like a speed run and we over DPS the boss in the end and got totally messed up. And I just remember being so sad and being like, no. And it took us like, I think two more days or a few more tries to get it, but we finally did. But, um, yeah. Yeah, that was actually our uh, no death. And we had cruised, well, not cruised through the other ones, but we got through them. We got to no death, and, man, we over-DPS the crap (laughs) out of Veladreth. And the funny part is, I think it was me and Graham that got put in the side together. And we didn't have a light, and we got so close to making it through. Spamming heals and shields, we got so close. And I still died, because I think I was on my pet sork. I mean, 
there's only so many shields you could spam. Yep. You have no heals as a pet Zerk unless you're doing damage. So, uh, yeah, that was actually, I had that as a memorable moment to myself that specific time that we <laughs> couldn't get through that. But, yeah, that was that was a tough one. And it took us a while to get the no death after that. That one kind of yeah. kind of plagued us. Yeah, that it was like, the, what the happened? Window over sails. Yeah, yeah, it really did. I guess I got a little too cocky. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's okay. It just blame dog. It's yeah, I it's because I was with dog. That's why. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Speaking of blaming dog, going back to uh Baylorg, uh that was one of the times that dog was the bastion of hope and delivered. Because on that hard mode, I'm pretty sure most of us um wiped. Um, and Dog was able to securely uh, Jesus beam him down. Okay, so, yeah. Graham, you gotta you gotta get one thing together here. You can't blame Dog and then praise him. You have to you have to stick with one or the other here, brother. This is I'm a... blaming him for delivering that time so that we couldn't blame him. No, no, this is not a show where we where we praise Dog's accomplishments. I'm just kidding. <laughs> We love yeah. Dogged, and we love him so much. I'm going to let him talk about his memories now outside of Fangler. Dogged, what do you got for us? Well, first off, back in you know Cradle of Shadows, it sounds like he could have been using Streak to help you get out of that situation. <laughs> yeah, except PvE Magsorks that are putting out max damage would not be wasting a slot on Streak, Dogged, except... <laughs> Your healer, Sork, that you dragged through that scale collar the other day would probably be streaking, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. And it'd be fun. And I'd be calling out streak every time I use streak. <laughs> I don't know if that's fun for everyone, but yeah. I'm glad you were having a great time. Just <laughs> There's also streaking across the map. That healed you. Oh yeah, thank God that Dogged is negating on the scale caller because she usually <laughs> is affected by negates. It was the poison guy and his ass. <laughs> the poison guy, negated. yes. And the and I remember specifically and one time the poison guy <laughs> is supposed to go down to a knee and Dogged is like, I did that. Like, no, you didn't, dude. That's a normal mechanic. Calm down. <laughs> yep. Alright, so another good memory was going through ICP and White Gold Power to get the ugly-looking Necrotic Horror pet for that achievement. I suggested that we started, you know, from the bottom and work our way up, but Bob was like, but Fang Lair, blah, 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 Worm Wizard personality, <laughs> blah, 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 he is Bob, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it was a cool personality, though. If he needed it for his Necro. That's right. On the bright side, though, waiting is like, uh, I think we end up doing ICP when you were on your Necro, right? No, unfortunately, but the joke still persists. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we met Larent there, which is where she tells us that in her experience that flesh action arcs are tools for the dim-witted. I mean, Luckily for Bob, he wasn't on his Necromancer. So she 
I call him how dim-witted he is, just like his blast bonus usage. And ha- used to be. Yeah, hashtag tonight's the last night that Bob's a bad necromancer who can't control his blast bonus. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, if you're wondering, he had that perfectly spelled out in the, the show notes. <laughs> Dog literally thinks I'm a horrible necromancer. But every time that his silly little non-combat pig dies, he has me resurrected. I don't know. Just, just saying. I don't use a pig. <laughs> I use a frog. Not a pet. Not a pig. Oh, I can't resurrect those because they're not real. Yeah, you can't resurrect them because they're already Deja. <laughs> All right. So before we derail entirely, dogged. Did you have anything else, or was that it? No, that was it. All right, my man. So, in that case, we wanted to go a little bit into our kind of best advice for a group going into endgame dungeon content. It's kind of what we wanted to wrap it all together with. I have a few things written down, and then I am going to just toss it to the other guys and just, you know, totally... Let that train wreck happen among the three of them. So I have one, have faith in your group. You have to trust your teammates and you have to believe that they're going to do their job and focus solely on what you need to do to help your group succeed. You can't be in the middle of DPSing and be like, oh, where's my heal? Where's my, where's my synergy? It's going to come. They're probably running in circles away from some stupid AOE or something else is happening. It's going to come. Have faith. You can't be tanking and freaking out the same. You just have to keep doing your thing. Stay focused on exactly what you're doing. And know that everything is going to work out. Second, never, ever, ever. And this was a huge rule in our group when we started that I laid down. Never blame each other. You have to understand that everyone is giving it their all. And mistakes are going to happen. Also, glitches and lags and bugs and all kinds of other fun random stuff is going to happen. And you're going to die. A lot. Like, a lot. And probably there's going to be a couple times where, you know, dogged... It's probably, you know, his fault. And (laughs) Graham and Solo, it's probably their fault. And then most of the time, it's probably my fault. (laughs) But, you know, the thing is, if you just keep it in your mind, this is an extremely hard thing we're doing. And we're all trying our best. There's no reason to start blaming each other for messing up. Usually these are things that can kill players with one-shot mechanics, extremely quick things that happen, and it's supposed to be extremely hard. Keep that in mind. This is supposed to challenge your ability to succeed in the game, and that's what makes it fun. That's why Mike Finnegan is having the greatest time over there while we talk about all this, because he's happy that he's challenging you in this game. And when people start blaming each other, it could go downhill quick. So work together and 
try and build each other up instead of breaking each other down and your group will succeed. Number three I have is be willing to take advice or constructive criticism. Sometimes your group members see things that you don't. They are getting a different perspective of what's going on in the entire map as opposed to what you are. So, as I will say, as giving advice to people, you have to understand when they don't take it. You have to understand when someone is giving you advice that you should consider it and at least think, maybe I could change something, maybe I could do something different. Don't be afraid to try something new. You just heard Graham and Dog talk about how important trying different things was for them. And don't think it wasn't the same for me and Solo on DPS. I mean, you can't... There comes to a point where, yes, you do need to bang your head against the wall in these dungeons sometimes. That's kind of the point. You know, it's hard. Go after it. Just do it. But don't just bang your head against the wall so hard that, you know, you start concussing yourself. (laughs) You know? I mean, it's a theoretical thing. But, um, you know... If you need to just take a break or just change the way you're doing something and go at a different way, sometimes that can help you in the long run of accomplishing this crazy goal you've set out for. So that's what I had written down. I would love to hear what you guys um, have to say about your advice on being a group going into this and how they could best succeed through this kind of content. Uh, I think you summed up things pretty nicely. You hit a lot of really, really key um, points. The uh, one other thing is that if you see someone is struggling, um, obviously most people, the first thought is like, oh, it's their fault. But instead of uh, anything on that route, um, just ask that person what they need. Um, Sometimes it's just like a, a tweaking issue on their end. Like for myself, it's like, oh, I keep running out of resources. So then either I can switch something on my end or I can communicate that I need something. And then maybe the healer at a certain point knows that at this point I need to prioritize, you know, orbs or shards or whatever to me, the tank. Um, So um, just if you're struggling, communicate what you need. And if someone else appears to be struggling, ask them what they need. You know, open that communication and let them know because they might be able to figure it out on their own. But um, to know what you can do as a group to remedy where they're struggling is going to really help you move forward. Yeah, man, that was very, uh, very well put. Dogged, Solo, anything to add? Yes. Uh, I think one of the big ones, like... Maybe, like, this is, like, your 100th time doing, uh, whatever, like, vet fang lair. But maybe this is, you know, somebody else through it. So they're not always going to know the mechanics. And it's always, like, before you just, you know, kick them right away, you have to ask them, like, hey, do you know the mechanics? Like, and, you know, you can be nice about it and be like, okay, this is, you could kind of try to help them through it, like. Don't just immediately kick people out because then, you know, you might get them again later on. I'm like, oh, you're that guy that kicked me out. I don't really like you. So, yeah, and that's how people feel about dog all the time. I'm just kidding. 
No, but uh, he's right. I mean, you know, especially if you're going for stuff like end game stuff, you want a speed run, no death hard mode. You cannot blame people who are not, you know, you're queuing for dungeons and asking people to go for this. You cannot blame people if they're not prepared for that or, you know, even, okay, this is kind of off the wall, but me and Dog have been queuing a lot for City of Ash 2 lately to get the style page that we still haven't got. And there's been a few times we've got fake tanks and healers, etc., and I remember one time specifically the tank, a fake tank, and this is, you know, we have wiped all of us dying because we have a fake tank and we're getting one shot. And he goes, you don't even need a tank to do this dungeon. You guys just need to get it together. And it's like, okay, I mean, yeah, do you need a tank to do this content, I mean, for a lot of people, yes. First off, this is one of the hardest base game dungeons. And the fact that you would queue for veteran as a fake tank, to me, is a little ridiculous. That you would think it's okay. But, even beyond that, to blame your group and be like, you need to get with it. Like, no. No. And the people who, like Dog said, they'll just be like, oh, just... You know, not even just kick the fake tank. Like, yeah, sure, whatever, kick them. But, you know, kick someone who is, you know, dying more often or someone who is going slower through it, maybe doing story. Like, that's not fair. And that's not what Elder Scrolls is about. And if you are in that big of a hurry and you're that good at the dungeon, then you're probably good enough to go and not need that other person to be there with you holding your hand the entire time anyways, so you don't need to kick them, just go do your thing, let them do their thing, yeah, good point, dog. Solo, do you have anything to add? Yeah, uh, just to have fun and not be afraid to die or upset, because I do, but I mean, you know, I get over it after a while, <laughs> but I mean... In the end, you'll get something out of it. It's always good to think like that. But um, no, just in all seriousness, have fun because it's just a game, you know. Like, if anything, you can just go back and play it the next day or just go to Grotwood and chill for a while and then go back and try it again. Like, you never know. You may queue up with better people if you don't have a good group, but... Yeah, just have fun. Don't get stressed out. Just chill. That's awesome. I I personally love that sentiment because I can't personally sit here and actually hear someone say um, it's just a game without kind of thinking about this weird thing that a super popular streamer Ninja said a bit ago, like, oh, if you think things are just a game, then you're a failure, like, you're, it's an imperfection of your craft, like, uh, no, actually, this is just a game we're playing, and it's something that's an escape for all of us, like, I could understand kind of where, like, that view that he's trying to say is coming from, like, never settle, right? But, 
the thing is that when it comes down to it, games for most people are games. And it's a place where, you know, we used this as a way for us to achieve something we all, you know, drastically wanted. Everyone loves that crazy personality from Fang Lair and all the skins, honestly. It's something that we all wanted to achieve, but it became this you know, thing that grew us all so closer than we ever could have thought and that we had more fun with than we ever could have thought. And the fact that there is a aspect to the game that we love so much that we're so can be so powerful at that still challenges you at the level that these kind of things do. It's really awesome. And it's one of my favorite, favorite aspects of the game that I'm so grateful that I get to partake in and it's only because of these guys that I'm here with and I implore you to join a guild to find friends to go try and there are people out there like you I promise if you want a skin if you want a personality there are other people who want it go find them go look for them queue for the dungeon ask you will find someone ask in your guild Go do it. You can do it. And it is awesome. And it has been one of the most greatest experiences in Elder Scrolls. And that is coming from a guy who's been Emperor in Cyrodiil to a guy that's done Vet Trials to a guy that's done, you know, all kinds of things. And this has become one of my favorite things. And that's why I'm so glad that we got to have you guys on. I appreciate it so much. And I know that it was, you know, kind of like, oh, can we get you guys on? Yes, thank you guys for complying and being here for us. And thank you, Dogged, for helping get everything set up and being here with me again this week. You guys are all the best. Thank you for all our listeners. And our we've had such an increase in listeners, followers across all our social media, everything the last month as... I mean, it's only our second month, but it's continued to just expand our podcast greatly. And we're super excited to continue creating content for you guys. Thank you so much for everything. It means the world to us. And it just makes me and Dog want to keep putting out more and more and doing more for you guys. So, Dog, why don't you go ahead and tell the people where they can find us if they want to reach us. You can find the show on Twitter at Red Diamond Cast. You can also find us on Facebook at the Red Diamond Courier. Uh, you can find us in our Xbox Guild, Heirs of the Red Diamond. And then you can also find us on the Robots Radio Discord, which can easily be found through robotsradio.net. And on robotsradio.net, you can also find all the other awesome shows that accompany us in the amazing podcast network that we're a part of as well. We would like to say that we have our merch store up that you can find a link to in the show notes and anything that you... I am actually uh, holding my Red Diamond Courier sticker right here. Uh, It is... So just crazy to me to look at this stuff and be like, wow, this is us. Like we really, uh, we really did it. It's crazy. Um, 
if you're as crazy as me and are like, man, Red Diamond Court, your merch, heck yes, that's my podcast. (laughs) (laughs) It's there for you. And um, as well, if you listen to our uh, intro and outro music and think, as I do every week, man, whoever created this is extremely talented and I want them to do something for me. You can find the link to our awesome musician, Daniel Nisley's uh, profile in the show notes accompanying this episode. And yeah, as far as that goes, that's where you could catch all the things Red Diamond Courier and uh, when our guest, Graham and Solo, you guys got anything? Graham and Tom? Uh, yeah, you can uh, reach me through Twitter or Xbox. My Xbox gamer tag is Grammaton with a space dryad. Uh, my Twitter is Grammaton dryad all shoved together. And uh, I stream, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, uh, at twitch.tv slash Grammaton underscore dryad. And if you can't remember the underscore, the space, or whatever, um, it's the same as Bob. Underscore for Twitch, space for Xbox. There you go. Perfect. And Solo, anything? Um, you can catch me on Xbox. Um, Han Solo Chick is my gamer tag. I'm usually chilling with um, these fantastic three, well, four, including me. <laughs> perfect twitter or anything um han solo chick on twitter i don't really post much but i retweet all the bob dogged and graham stuff there you go (laughs) so so awesome of you and um yeah these are two awesome people go give them a follow graham is a uh dedicated extra live streamer so uh, just another person that you could help donate to the cause to. Dogged, how about you? These all all these people want to yell at you about how freaking dogged you are every week. Uh, you can find me on Twitter on and Twitch and Xbox, all at dogdbark twenty four. You can come play with me, and we can pull the entire dungeon and laugh after we kill Bob. <laughs> and me. you only get to laugh if you're still standing buddy all right <laughs> if you if you drop it for me then no laughing that's just a lesson to fire in the dogged folder of death i don't know <laughs> or if i'm playing you can say streak as i shriek around and negate all the ads and make bob mad <laughs> Please never play that Sork again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you want to talk to me, you can catch me, Bob Chichinsky, on Xbox and on ESO, PC, Twitter, or Twitch. You're going to catch me, Bob underscore Chichinsky. And you already know how to spell it. It's in the show notes. C-H-I-C-H-I-N-S-K-E. Had to toss it in there just in case. Everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. Grammaton, Han Solo Chick, thank you guys. A sign off? Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a great time. Yeah, it was really fun. Perfect. Thanks, guys. We're very appreciative to have you here and uh, so glad that it worked out for everyone. 
uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening, and uh, we will catch you all on the flip side of things next week. Yep, bye everyone. See ya. introduce myself um i'm corin black a humble half demon and folks around baltimore call me the devil's runt here we go finally moving again how do you feel about methamphetamines you know devil's blood don't make you a devil Under the Shroud, fantasy, noir, and horror from Baltimore's sin-soaked streets. Find creator Ian Humphrey on Twitter at FictionalIan.